Hi, everybody. Welcome to Faith Greater Than Fear. Thank you for joining us. I, I think you're really going to benefit from today's conversation. And I think you might get a couple of laughs this time, too. I'm joined by someone I have great respect for. I, I was had the opportunity to have him as a professor uh, during my uh, years at Regent University. So his name is Andy Freeman. I'm looking really looking forward to hearing what he has to share with us today. So Andy, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing these days? Sure. Now, uh, as, as uh, you said, we had a great time together in your graduate school years, and uh, I, I wish I could see into the future so clearly that I knew I'd be sitting here with you doing this interview, but uh, nonetheless, you were a great student, you're a great professional, and thanks for uh, throwing me a bone, as they say. Uh, I've been uh, producing The Huckabee Show three seasons. Uh, it's a weekly one-hour national program on the TBN network. It was a reconstitution, if you will, of the weekly Huckabee show that used to air on Saturday nights on Fox News. After uh, Governor Huckabee took a run, a second run actually, at uh, the Republican nomination for the White House and uh, was uh, defeated along with 50, 14 other people by uh, Donald Trump, uh, he went back, wanted to do the show again. Fox wanted him to be a analyst, but not uh, do the weekly show. He was able to negotiate it free. And uh, almost 160 shows later, uh, it rolls on uh, to about 1.6 million people a week uh, through broadcast cable and then uh, online with video on demand through um, a few different uh, platforms online. So it has to have been a very interesting time when you're working in, in broadcast TV. So I'd love to hear what, what has been the effect of COVID-19 in, in your workplace and maybe how have you dealt with it kind of uniquely as compared to others? Well, you know, I'd say one thing before I get into uh, the production side of it, and that is uh, the goal of the show uh, from Governor Huckabee was to, as he put it, reach one of the most underserved demographics in all of television uh, and he considers that to be the baby boomers. Now, our our, uh, our demographic model is a little bit lower at 49 plus, but if you were to look at our, uh, our ratings, uh, 49 and above is our core audience. Mm -hmm. And so we have an audience that to some degree is probably more deeply invested in uh, uh, safety, uh, attending to the issues and the threat of the COVID virus. Um, Whereas on the production side, uh, we have everybody, you know, from age 25 uh, right on up uh, to 70-ish. Um, so uh, when we, had, we when we first uh, started to address it, you know, uh, in the beginning, everything was running business as usual, not just with us, but pretty much across media. And because we're in Nashville, we also pay attention to other live events. Uh, taking place in Nashville, and one of them being uh, the Grand Old Opry. And when we saw the Grand Old Opry was getting ready to address the issue of live audience, um, we said, you know, they're a good bellwether. And at the same time, we were watching what the governor of Tennessee was doing. And and he would be, uh, and the uh, things that were issued from the state government would be our biggest bellwether, because this is where we do the show, and we're housed here just outside of Nashville. But um, 
Initially, we went from uh, having an audience of two to 300 every week in studio to no audience, uh, but keeping our host, our announcer, our band. So if you would, six, seven, eight, eight people on camera, uh, as well as our production crew uh, and our guests. And what we did was we started to safely space because that was the uh, call at the time. This is also when even the CDC was like, ah, masks. Nobody likes to admit that that was that, right? But it was. So it doesn't matter if you're from the left or the right. Yes, there was that time. And if people go back, you can roll right back on YouTube and find that. So um, we, we initially said, we'll just do it without the audience. And, and we rolled into that for... Uh, two or three weeks, but then uh, then we, we just, everything began to get tough because travel became more difficult. Um, not, not just CDC or state guidelines, but people became uh, more fearful, more worried, more concerned. And why shouldn't you be at the front end? You know, to me, uh, logic says we should be more concerned than the now. Not that we shouldn't be concerned now, but now we have some clues as to how this thing operates, what we can do to safeguard ourselves. Uh, thank God our medical profession, the pharmaceutical industry is working on vaccine and effective uh, tools of treatment for people who have it. That wasn't the case last February. So we moved from just our staff safely spaced to basically, treating our show, even though it's a combination, and again, that's another episode, news and variety, or as we like to say, information, entertainment, and inspiration. Those are our three goals each week in an episode. Um, but we moved to basically double boxes. Uh, we moved to what you would see on CNN or uh, Fox or honestly any news channel. Uh, and you'll see it that way even you know when things are going well. Uh, but what we did do is usually in those environments, you still have an anchor desk. You still have somebody that all of that is spinning around. And in our case, uh, we worked with Governor Huckabee out of his home in Florida because he has a single camera studio and he has that so he could be available to Fox News. Um, so we just started to use that as well. And we were able to keep uh, a majority of our interviews where we became challenged was, you know, the honestly, so not the information, not the uh, inspiration piece. And for us, inspiration, even though it's TBN, uh, it might be somebody like a, a Franklin Graham or a Max Licato speaking from a faith-based point of view on something. But it also might be a little lady who's retired who helps children cross the street or is helping kids with their ABCs. So our uh, our category for that is a bit broader maybe than some other faith-based shows, it would be my point. So, so we could fill all of those, but the entertainment piece was our challenge. And I was so proud of the production team and everybody involved because what we ended up doing is, so comedy is an ongoing thing that happens on our show. Um, but in particular, we I mean, we do some... Uh, send-ups of the news, kind of uh, satirical uh, with our team, but stand-up comedians who need feedback. They need something. Uh, they don't just need a camera. And uh, so we were able to craft a deal temporarily uh, 
with a group in Utah, uh, Dry Bar Comedy. And they basically they basically do specials online uh, with comedians who work clean. And we were able to say, hey, can can I get a, a five minute lift of Nathaniel's latest special? And in return, what we'll do for you is we will promote Dry Bar and uh, on the front and on the back, we'll promote Nathaniel's special to go see it at Dry Bar. And then we will also mention Nathaniel's website or whatever else he has going. And so that was a way we got through COVID in terms of being able to have comedy still. Um, it was a little uncomfortable, I think, for some of the people on our team because it was a rolled in of something that was shot somewhere else. Uh, I did not receive negative feedback from viewers. Hey, that's not in your studio. Hey, that's not your live audience. Uh, I think part of that was they do very good work in front of the live audience and those were all shot. But I think the other reason is uh, in times of stress and times of trouble, people need to laugh. And so not losing that component of the show uh, was very valuable to us. The other piece I wanted to mention that was an adjustment uh, that I was quite proud of is we started to try and do, and I shouldn't say try, we started to succeed at doing our music guests remotely. So uh, for instance, uh, would be Clint Black. Clint Black came to us from his studio down in Texas. And the governor uh, always plays bass whenever he can on our music guest selection. He played bass in Florida. Clint Black sang and played guitar in Texas. And all of our band played uh, supporting instrumentation and orchestration uh, from the post-production studio in our building next door to the theater. And it worked famously. And one of the things that was great is we were able to land some music guests that we hadn't been able to up to that point uh, because they just weren't headed Nashville way currently. Uh, we did this with one of the uh, singers from Wilson Phillips who were quite popular, uh, pop trio in the 90s. We did it with a couple of other country artists and rock artists as well uh, by the name of Ted Nugent. And uh, so we were just, we were just blessed and blown away by the level of uh, production that our band and our, our TV production team could put together. And the artists were all thrilled to be able to play their music, get the exposure, and not have to leave the safety of their home. So um, those are some of the larger keyways. And we went on that way, by the way, for three months uh, before we started to uh, open up again going back to the studio and I think you said spacing things out, but you're maybe back in the studio now with all the, all the elements. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great triad though, I that you mentioned information, entertainment and inspiration. So uh, if you all at home want to tune into that, uh, Andy remind us when can they watch and where can they watch? Yeah, it's Saturday nights uh, at 8 PM Eastern and again at 11 PM Eastern on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN. Or if they're lazy like me, they can uh, watch the broadcast on Facebook or on YouTube, or they can also uh, go to YouTube or Huckabee.tv and watch it VOD whenever the heck they like, which is my favorite way to do it. So lots of different options for all of you out there. Okay, so obviously uh, my Huckabee previous governor and uh, the the uh, show does cover information, does cover some news, some politics. 
And I think you have some observations to share with us about, you know, things are really divided these days and COVID-19 has had particular effect on the political sphere. Obviously, we're not going to talk about one side or badmouth one side, but what, what would you share? What kind of observations do you have about, about that kind of idea of what we're seeing these days? Hey, one of the things that I struggle with um, on the political scene is uh, how the both sides, both parties and whoever's in the middle have taken um, the COVID-19 issue and uh, politicized it. Uh, so uh, no matter the perspective on how it should be addressed, uh, what seems to take preeminence over the safety of us as citizens and the people in the publics is using it to further narratives and further political aspirations of either side. And um, it's one thing if we're talking about an issue like taxes or we're talking an issue like police reform and, and uh, things of that nature. I, I get the I get the political give and take, and I get the making your distinctive, whether you're to the left or to the right on those issues. But I struggle greatly with uh, both both parties uh, taking something as dangerous as a virus and, and COVID-19 and something that's unfolding in our understanding as time is going by and turning it into something to attack the other party, to advance the narrative and potentially put people at risk. Um, it's too dangerous a situation. It's too troubling uh, an issue. Medi medical things should not be used uh, for political purposes. Um, so that was kind of my, 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 my take on that. Right. I, I know I'm not the first to say it, but you know, the virus is an equal opportunity virus. It can, it can affect any person. And when it doesn't look like that, when you're watching the news, it is, it is kind, of, kind of disturbing. That's right. But to kind of uh, shift gears now, uh, going back to our, our Regent days, we worked together on a, a sitcom for our multi-cam class. And then we also worked on a, a semester film project that, that the communication school uh, does every semester. That was also a comedy film. Mm -hmm. And if you're friends with Andy on Facebook and you and you see his daily posts, you know that he's he's very much into humor and comedy. And I just thought you'd have some great things to share about the role of humor today in this kind of high-stress environment. So, what what are some thoughts you might have about that? Oh, I, I, you know, it's it's more uh, vital than ever. And uh, if Governor Huckabee, our host, was here with you, he would tell you what what the the nation needs and what the world needs is to laugh more and to decompress. And uh, we have so many stressful situations coming at us from politics, uh, COVID in a medical situation, uh, people getting upset and uh, breaking glass and burning buildings and stealing and people, uh, you know, being uh, too uptight for people who are more progressive and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, for me, you know, uh, humor is a, a lingua franca. And uh, I was like that when times were better. I can't not be myself. Uh, when times are more difficult. I almost think though that there's more value in it. It's like uh, uh, my favorite uh, thing I posted on social media the last two days was something that ties back into COVID. But for me, uh, I like to do humor that's absurd or self-deprecating and doesn't come at the expense of uh, another person. Uh, so that joke was, uh, you know, 
At one point in my life, I used to co uh, cough in order to cover a fart. But now in the days of COVID, I find that I'm farting to cover a cough. Um, but that's a good example of, example of absurdity and, and twisting those ideas so people hear them in a different way. And hopefully uh, it lets them laugh and uh, uh, feel a little less stressed. Right, right. And that's, I think, a good thing for, for everyone these days. Because uh, we're all, as, as the, the title of this program shows, we're all in this tension between faith and fear. And we know that perfect love and the love of God casts out fear. And what, what are some thoughts you just have as kind of the, the last thing to, to wrap up this conversation? When you hear that phrase, faith greater than fear, what kind of things does that bring to mind? How has that kind of come to the forefront in the last few months for you? Well, you know, um, for, for me, I, I'm, a, I'm a church kid uh, from the age of five, and that led to a, um, a commitment at about fourth or fifth grade uh, to follow Christ, which then led to seven and a half years of hell raising through high school and most of college. And then, um, you know, some people, I like the, um, the referencing of the hounds of heaven, but I had a lot of praying family members who stayed after me in the heavenlies. And, uh, after my junior year of college, I had a real, uh, whether you want to call it a come to Jesus moment, a reckoning, whatever, but where I returned and made an adult commitment of faith, not the, not the commitment of an 11 year old. And I'm not saying that those can't last. I've got a wife who lived a sordid and crazy lifestyle to the age of seven when she met Jesus. And she put all of that insanity behind her from age one through six. Um, so she's living proof of it. Unfortunately, I took a, a, a bumpier road, but uh, one of the things she and I both share um, is a belief that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Um, and the word of God, which is given to us in the, the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament, that, that those promises, those scriptures are yea and amen. Now be careful because that means the good ones, which we all love to quote, right? Romans 8.28, I'm, I'm going to Romans 8.28 this. All things are going to work together for good. Then love the God, Lord and call according to his purpose. But the negative ones, right? Uh, if, if that's yay and amen, so are the negative ones. But for me, um, when I think of um, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, or yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Um, I can easily, easily uh, put COVID in there, coronavirus, uh, into those verses, and and they speak to me, and they speak to me of God's promise, God's protection, uh, God's authority over our lives as believers, but also the winds, the waves, the viruses, uh, the the, the looters, whatever the situation. And sometimes I think, um, I don't know why, maybe it's modern modernity, you know, but we are not as quick sometimes to lean into uh, the importance and the power of scripture. And there's a reason in the uh, first covenant, there's a reason that uh, God told the children of Israel to write those scriptures and put it on their hands and even put it on your head 
And of course, we know in some orthodox parts of Judaism, they take that literally, leather box, right? Leather box. But, but they're trying to demonstrate what God was calling, and that was these things should be in your heart. They should be rehearsed. They should be something. We can go to the Bible, and we can definitely search them out. And with technology today, we can, we can just sit here and say, scriptures on finances. And, you know, and that's great. Thank God for technology. But the idea that they are in your mind, in your heart, and we can bring those back to light um, without having to jump on our search engines, um, it's a part of a deeper and broader and uh, more vivid and lively Christian walk. So that's been important to Teresa and I also in our prayer life. We ask God to watch over us every day, to direct us, and, and to be our protector. And we have had friends who had COVID uh, or right now are going through COVID. And we've prayed uh, that Jesus would be uh, their Jehovah uh, Rapha, you know, the Old Testament, the God who heals, the only God who heals, which I always thought was interesting. I don't think there's any other God. But anyway, he's describing himself. I'm not going to take it up with him. I do know how he's describing himself, though, in the pages of Scripture. And so I think those are important things for us to cling to, to speak out, to rehearse in our prayers and share with one another to, uh, to, to encourage. And then to, to live your life. Uh, I have friends and they're older, but they still haven't come out of the house. They're still having groceries delivered to them. They're ha uh, they've, they've kept themselves uh, in the boundaries of their home. I don't have a problem with that, I think, You've got to do what will give you peace of mind and, and let you feel safe. But also, you don't want to be so overwhelmed by the media and so overwhelmed by, again, politicians and other people who are uh, just trumpeting and blasting the negatives uh, and the threats and not realizing that the sun's still coming up every day and that the squirrels and the birds are still running around in your yard and getting ready for winter and and uh, that all these things are taking place and that we can trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. And he will uh, make our paths straight. So, you know, uh, that's where the faith part over fear, I think, uh, is essential. Uh, I want to I be leaning into the faith piece and not uh, pulling back because of fear. Yeah, that faith is what allows us to step outside uh, each day. And I, I love what you you shared, you know, knowing the promises of God, knowing knowing what they are and what they aren't, having a good idea of that, but keeping those in mind, I think that we can succeed much greater in making sure that our faith overcomes any fear that might come our way. Yeah, I do have one question for you. And again, I know you didn't study theology, you studied media, which I'm glad, otherwise we wouldn't have met. But here's here's my a pseudo theological question for you today. What was Jesus's favorite sport? Oh boy, I, I feel a joke coming on. I don't know. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? What? Tell me the answer, Andy. So, big, biblical historians are not sure, but they've narrowed it down to volleyball or tennis, and they've done that based upon the clear description in the pages of the Bible where it said Jesus came to serve, and that's the clue. They have for volleyball and tennis. <laughs> I guess we can throw ping pong in there. That, that works. That works. Thanks so much, Andy. It's been a great pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, it's been a couple years, so 
particular treat for me. Everybody at home, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you'd share this, I'm sure others would benefit and enjoy it as well. We also have a podcast, so check out Faith Greater Than Fear podcast if you don't join us here on our website or on social media. And thanks one last time for watching, and we will see you again here on Faith Greater Than Fear on another day. Bye-bye.